You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at Clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I'm coming at you with a titillating reminder that pre-sales for the world's first disability-driven sex toy, the Bump and Joystick, are open right now. You can go to www.getbumpin.com. That's www.getbumpin.com. And you can pre-order your very own Bump and Joystick right now. Or you can get a gift card for that deliciously disabled person in your life right now. Do it now. Go get it and be part of this amazing new innovation in sex tech. Thanks, friends. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on this Christmas edition or Merry Gimpmas edition of Disability After Dark. We are releasing this episode on Christmas Day 2021. Wow. So to all my friends out there, this is your delectable daddy, Saint Crip, Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, crippled on this Christmas Day. And shine a red light on disability stories, shall we? Let's do that right now. 
First things first, I want to give a shout out to the Patreon peeps that keep the bright light shining on this show by pledging their hard-earned dollars. And for that, they get a shout out from me on the air and the episodes one day early on Friday instead of Saturday. So if you are a Patreon supporter, you're hearing this in our special feed on Christmas Eve instead of Christmas Day. Thank you for your support. So today, I need to give a shout out to Lotus Boy, who I think it's really cool that someone named Lotus Boy pledged to my show. Thank you so much. Lotus Boy pledged $1 a month for the year, so a yearly amount is what they pledged, and I appreciate that. And their email is King Lotus Boy, and the only pun that I have for you right now about Lotus Boy is I hope that your life is as flowery as your name would suggest. Thank you so much for your pledge. It means so much to me, and I really, 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 really appreciate it. Thanks. If you're listening and you're able to make a financial donation to the show to keep the bright light shining on Disability Stories, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledging as little as $1 a month, up to $5 a month or more if you want, or even a yearly amount if that works for your budget, but I would really, really appreciate it if you're able to. If not, if you're not able to leave a financial pledge, please consider leaving a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. I just read that Spotify has opened up reviews, finally, for those listening on Spotify, so you can leave a review wherever you listen and tell me why the show is important to you. Tell me why you come back and listen every week. And tell me what the show means for you. And I would really, really appreciate that. So, let me know why the, what the show means to you. And, uh, and leave a review or a pledge if you're able to. I also put a call out recently on my social media because I wanted to get some new guests on the show. And I put this call out uh, the other day. And I had so many people respond immediately when I put this out on my social media on Instagram that I was blown away by the number of people that wanted to talk to me. So I just want to reiterate on the show, this show is for anybody who identifies as disabled, neurodivergent, mad, having invisible disabilities, visible disabilities, or this show is also for people without disabilities who just want to come on the show and learn something and ask questions and confront their ableism in a safe space to do that, I want to offer that for you. So if you want to come on the show, please click on the link that says be a part of our show in the show notes. There's a link to sign up right in there, or you can email us at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. One of the other things I'd like for you to do with the email address, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com, sorry, disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com, you would think I would know my own email address by now. Uh, disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. The pandemic, it seems, is still a raging, friends. And it's still going on. Omic- Omicron is happening and all, all these variants are popping up. And I think it's important that we bring back quarantine and chill. I want to understand from you how it is that the pandemic is affecting your life. And I want to do that through Minnesota's where you write me letters as to how the pandemic is affecting your disabled life, and then I read them on the air. Now, I want to make sure that I get a lot of letters from you, because we've tried this before and it didn't always work. So if you want to write a letter as to why the pandemic 
has affected your life as a disabled person. I want to talk about things like touch starvation. I want to talk about things like lack of intimacy. I want to talk about things like isolation. All those things I want to explore with respect to disability. And I want to do it initially through Minnesota's this go-around. We could always bring back Quarantine and Chill again and have guests talking about the pandemic too. But I want to try Minnesota's first. And that's where you write me a letter and I read it back to you on the air. So I'd love to have you write in your pandemic experiences as a disabled person to disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. But now, enough of my rambling, onto the show. On the show today, I speak with my new friend, Charlotte Farragher, who is someone out of the UK, and she is a woman living with spastic quadriplegic CP, like me. It seems that all of the awesome people with spastic quadriplegic CP find this show, and we always have really cool conversations. Last week, you heard me speak to Megan Scar, this week at Charlotte, and all the, the last few guests have had spastic quadriplegic cp that's pretty cool and i'm really excited to bring you on the episode this week charlotte and i talk about her experiences as somebody with spastic quadriplegic cp particularly in dating and what it's like to only have guys pay attention to you when they're sloshed or drunk we also talk about what it feels like for her needing care in every aspect of her life and how that can sometimes be soul crushing and how that can be hard to deal with. And we talk about her webpage, Desirably Different, something that she she is working on. We talk about so many things here. I love sitting down with her and just having a chat. Also at one point during the conversation when we were recording, her mom came in the room in like a Christmas outfit and I said, oh, we have to release this on on Christmas, this is too fun. She like sang a song um, to Charlotte as we were recording, and I thought that was really cute. So I was like, I have to release this on Christmas Day. So it was a really, really fun interview. She was really smart, super articulate, had a lot to say, and I hope you enjoy it. Merry Christmas, Merry Gimpmas, Merry whatever you celebrate today or not celebrate. Thank you. If you are a Jewish disabled person, I hope you get a good meal at an awesome restaurant today or go see a movie if you're able to or stream something cool if you don't celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah whatever you celebrate if you're disabled I wish you all the best today enjoy the show Charlotte Farragher hello see I messed it up see right out the gate I messed it up hello how are you Good. How are you? So nice to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Um, of course, you've been again. You're one of my very, very patient guests. This has waited forever to get on my show, and has been so patiently waiting to be here. So I'm so happy you're finally here, and we're finally doing it. And thank you. Yes. Um, oh, you can tell me the end whether it's been worth it. Let's see. Well, I can already tell it's worth it, so I don't even worry about it. We're good. Um, so Charlotte, for for anyone who who's listening who wants to get to know more about you, can you introduce yourself to the Disability After Dark audience? Tell us a bit about who you are, what you do. Sure. Hello. My name is Charlotte. As you can tell by the accent, I'm English. I'm 30 years old. And I lived with 
quadriplegic, so palsy right from birth. Um, that severely impacted my physical abilities. Uh, I did lots of help with all your basic everyday living sort of tasks, washing, dressing, eating. There's not a lot I can do for myself. I also need help to um, like just be out and about. So yeah, there's not a lot I can do for myself physically, but um, like I've, I would say I've kind of excelled um, or tried to excel educationally. Uh, I went to mainstream schools, uh, so school that is integrated, um, not specific before disabilities from age seven. And then I went to a mainstream high school uh, and then university as of a big college college achieved good grades at top university in the north west of England where I'm from and just tried to kind of challenge what and show what disabled people can be capable of and prove um you're allowed for myths to be incorrect hopefully so yeah that's, that's amazing that's really awesome that you and like like me you have a ton of schooling um and i also have a ton of schooling so and, and i kind of did the same thing similarly to wanting to show people that like i can do this as a disabled person so i totally get it and i also also really resonate with what you said about you know not being able to take care of you to do a lot for yourself and i want to get into that a little bit later um a little bit later as to how like being physically dependent on others feels and we'll get into that in like a later question but i i totally resonate with you with that feeling of like if i could do this myself i totally would yeah i'd love to be able to do it myself but clearly god of that had other plans so that's <laughs> not yeah i guess he, i guess i guess he he certainly did have other plans um yeah. So you've sort of alluded to it just in, in your intro there, but can you, now we know you have CP and I know that with every type, with every person that has CP, it manifests a little bit differently. So, I, so I'd love to understand from you, Charlotte, how does your cerebral palsy play a role in your day-to-day -day life? Can you elaborate on that for me a little bit more? Well, I've said that I need help most physical tasks and that largely manifests itself through um well from getting up and going to bed at night I have an agency that come and do that for me um along with the associated personal care that come with getting up and going to bed at night um so that can be quite means that my day can be quite regimented yeah. at times in that sense you can't be as spontaneous as your non-disabled friends which is annoying and I'm sure you can relate to in some way but also um, when they're not around I still live at home 
with my parents and their particular mom is my main caregiver as well. So. And ha- and I'm curious because, like you're, you said, you're 30, right? So, how does it feel for you to to live at home at 30? I know a lot of people with, with in our situation who need care want to have their own place, want to have their own stuff. Like, do you feel like you want to do that, or is it? Are you? Obviously, you're happy there, but I mean, like, is having your own place something you don't worry about? Yeah, no, it totally does. I think I think the system of social housing for disabled people all over the world is really broken and really fractured. And I think that sometimes a lot of disabled people feel safer living at home because they know that they'll be safe. They know that they'll be relatively happy. They know that they'll get the care they need from someone who loves them and they trust. And I, I totally get that. And I think that people listening who, you know, might think, oh, Charlotte's 30 and is living at home. Like, what's the deal? Hearing you tell that part of the story and telling us how broken and and how um, fractured I think the social housing system can be really sheds a new light on why a lot of disabled people stay home. It's just really, it's a safety issue. Yeah, but also I think it's a part of behavior that, it's um, common for young people right now, irrespective of disabilities. So 
because the, there's less of that stigma there. There's not just me in the situation that makes me feel even more comfortable about staying at home. Yeah. Yeah, because other young people who are not disabled are also deciding to stay at home. So it's not like yeah. it's not like oh poor Charlotte because she's disabled she has to stay home. You're actually doing yeah. what a lot of young people are doing anyway. So I totally get that. Um, but more broadly, tell me a little bit else how your cerebral palsy plays a role in your day. Gosh, what else would you like to know? Uh, um, well, what else you got? Uh, it's big. Um, I was actually say after um pretty much covered all of day six. Um like okay. before, sorry. Oh no no, it's no problem. I can don't worry, I have other other questions for you, don't worry. Um all right, so so tell me a little bit more about um one of the things you said in your questionnaire that I immediately was drawn to talking to you about was you want to talk about some of the, the unique challenges being a disabled woman and I'd love to hear more about that. Um well there are many. Um but I would say the biggest one and the one that um relates heavily within your body custom one of the main reasons I wanted to be part of your flagship show was the Disabled women either aren't attractive or can't have sex or don't want sex or any kind of um, romantic relations yep. and or relationship. And to find those attractive is automatically seen as wrong or taboo or strange. On the rare occasions I do attention from guys in the offline world they tend to be when the guys in question are very very intoxicated which sometimes all of it is absolutely hilarious but deep down I know I want um, to be um, treated properly and respectfully and genuinely, genuinely in the romantic world. So in some ways, it does um, really dampen my sense of self-esteem and self-confidence. And it just underpins the assumptions that disability is scary and disability to find us attractive or appealing is weird. And yeah, and I can and I can imagine that when seeing most of the guys be, you know, intoxicated to find you attractive, that's got to hurt. That's got to be, there's got to be some, like even hearing that, hearing hearing you say that was like, oh, that's that hurts my disabled heart a little bit. Because like, that's, it's hard to, you know, I think that you're an attractive woman and I think that it's really unfortunate that you know, you couldn't just roll up in your chair and be yourself. You, I mean, you're clearly very articulate. It's really unfortunate that you couldn't just be yourself and roll up to a dude and be like, hey, think you're cool. Let's hang out. You, but they have to be fucking sloshed t- 
to even consider that hurts my disabled heart. Say again. British of you. That's that's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I when I was over there a couple of years ago, I picked up some British slang and I'm now oh, obsessed. Oh, good. I'm now obsessed. Yeah. I'm obsessed with it. If I if I could live there, I would. It, it was London was my favorite place. Uh, um, but you know it it's and you're not the first disabled woman that I've talked to who has said similar things of like guys are just douchebags because you know, they can't well, deal with disability. And, like, obviously, if I see someone that's attractive, like, I should be similar work because I, sometimes, if you don't have to, you don't get it, that's just my life, but, like, it does seem like a bit Fabulous task when the only time you do get that sort of attention is when the guys are slush or when you feel you've done enough in your interactions with a person to show that you are largely quote-unquote normal in lots of ways just with slight differences and additions that and then you still don't get stuck back eventually you just kind of feel well it shouldn't just be me putting in all the work and it is kind of pointless so yeah I feel I feel you on that like on that sense of like why do I have why do I have to put in all the work why can't somebody like come after me and approach me and want to court me like why do I have to be the one people say this to us all the time in disability discourse I'm sure you hear this all the time like oh Charlotte just put yourself out there just be yourself you're somebody will come along and it's like oh fuck what do you know how much work it is for me to put myself out there like why do I have to why somebody needs to come to me like it, I totally get it yeah Um, and one of the things you wanted to talk about about that to you know the unique challenges of a woman trying to date with disabilities and trying to do all that stuff how how does you know knowing that the guys have to be sloshed or have to be intoxicated and all those things and you putting in the effort to do all that how does that play a role in your mental health it sucks it damages it a lot because I know I want that stuff. If I didn't, I would have realised that a long time ago. But my brain and my body is telling me that I do want those things. And when it's something that's fundamental as your sexuality, you can't change it no matter how hard you try. So it's just part of you, isn't it? And everyone deserves to feel happy and sexy and, and comfortable in one skin and loved just as they are in whatever guys they want to take. So the fact that as far as I see it, not a lot of people are open to um, dating disabled women as 
potential for one to partners has greatly um, reduced the sense of positive self-esteem and positive body image. I don't know how you feel. Um, well, as a disabled man, as a disabled queer man, I can tell you that I face a lot of the same things that you face. The guys have to be intoxicated or sloshed or like, you know, they have to feel pity for me to want to consider like going on a date or they'll just say like, oh, oh, you're disabled. I don't think we can hang out. Like, oh, I don't know if we can do that. And so I've said this many times on the show. I predominantly work with sex workers because I'd rather I'd, I'm privileged enough that I make enough money that I can afford that. Um, but, you know, I'd rather pay for a good hour of good sex to get exactly what I want to feel better than like to go out on multiple dates, be continually turned down. Like I did that for years and I wasn't getting anywhere. So I was like, fuck. Eventually I was just like, okay, I'm making enough money now. I can afford this occasionally. Like I'll do this. Um, so I would, but I would love to go on a proper date. One of the things you mentioned in your questionnaire also while we're on the topic of dating one of the things you mentioned on your oh questionnaire. <laughs> what? Here's that question. Yeah, here it is. One of the things you mentioned on your questionnaire was that you hadn't had a lot of romantic or dating experiences, which, you know, I want that to change for you. And I hope that dudes get their heads out of their asses and figure shit out because you're awesome. Um, um, uh so you've mentioned that you haven't had a lot of romantic or dating experiences. What for Charlotte would Charlotte's ideal date look like and feel as a disabled person? Well, it's like I wanted to really want to look good. In terms of what it would look like, do you mean in terms of activities or what? Yeah, like like. In your in your in your fantasy date scenario, what do you want to have happen? Um, how how dirty do we want to get here? Well, how dirty do you want to get? I don't know. What do you? Do? <laughs> well, I'll keep it PG for Well, I mean, we, it is a, it is a sex podcast, so if you do want if you want to go a little bit bluer, you're more than welcome to. No, no, I'm not that kind of girl. Um, um. Uh, I'll class it in a lot, so, um, I guess, um, I love, of, like, anything hearty and creative, so, like, anybody that's into the arts themselves, so maybe, like, an actor or musician or painter, that'd be pretty cool, um, just so we can discuss the arts and that lot thing. And just basically someone who um, can make me laugh and encourages like intelligent, thoughtful, open, healthy debates um, and is on phrase by the disability or at least wants to try and embrace it. And I do the other thing I'm also cool, which is how dating works. So, yeah. What was that last part? Say it again. So, I did it. They have to think I'm also cool and 
fun to hang with. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, so far you're pretty cool. But so basically, what you're saying is you want a good-looking dude who can spar with you mentally, but also take you to a West End show, maybe. If if you can find him, hey, yeah, let's go. Listen, blokes out there, listen. Take take Charlotte out to a West End show, dress super nice. And then talk to her about art. It's the, t- I mean, it's that- just, just be nice. Yeah, be nice. Cool. It sounds, it sounds kind of like you want a gay best friend. I mean, if I was there, I could be that person well, for well, you. I can tell you some stories about, let's just say, a lot of my slav pushes tend to have got the other end, let's say, not for this, and it evolves that, but. My gay daughters are very strong. <laughs> so, that's a lot. Well, that's okay. My gaydar when I was coming up was super like, oh, every straight guy that I like could be gay. Uh, so I get it. Um, but yeah, so, so like, like, and in terms of accessibility for this ideal date of yours, like what, what do you, what would you need in terms of access for that date like that to work for you? Well, I guess it depends on what we do. Okay, let's but, pretend we go to like a West End show and then you want to go for coffee after. Well, firstly, I don't think those two things go together, personally. Um, but, you know, in theatres, they have directors of uh, people or different abilities anyway, because in the world, let's face it, they lose a big chunk of their potential business. So there's a money incentive there, but just um, like able to get in the building and be close to like fire exits if there was an emergency where we all had to leave, for example. Yeah, yeah. So you'd want it to be accessible for your wheelchair, obviously. Um, now, I can't see from what I'm looking at, but are you in a manual chair or a power chair? Totally power chair, but I also own a manual chair as well. Okay, so when you went on a date, would you, which one would you take with you? Well, uh, I use the um, power chair like ninety percent of the time, and in terms of getting to the date, like obviously. Um, someone will have to take me there. So the girls would, would bring me to said venue and I guess set me up in said building until they arrived. And then, like, I don't know, it would depend on what the day was comfortable with, I guess. I mean, ideally, if you were just meeting up to have a casual get to know you conversation and a drink then mum and wife would go off and then come back two hours later so that it would be completely our space if that makes sense of course um, but obviously if the guy was open to help give me a drink or whatever and we might have to come up with something else. 
like a, an emergency like text option of like, hey mom, the guy in the guy just want to help no. me drink, so he's a dork. Can you come back and help me? Thanks. Yeah, yeah. And no, she does. Probably have to sit on the table nearby like a spy, and then just have like <laughs> a new saver or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know when I go on dates with guys, I don't drink or eat a lot because I need the help. And like sometimes I'll ask for help, but sometimes I'm embarrassed. How how do you how would you feel about asking like a potential guy to help you with stuff? Well, that is that is something not not like on an initial date, but say uh, when it gets to the stage where we go to a restaurant and we're on our own and we have to each in front of each other for the first time. That is literally something I have nightmares about because I like to be able to, I can't often fully feed myself for the entirety of the meal, just the majority of it. But for me, having the skill to like have the meal and Try and continue whatever conversation we're having um, as much as possible and not to try to get food everywhere. It's literally something I have nightmares about. Oh wow. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad I'm not the only one because I've also had nightmares about that. I did an episode probably like a hundred and some odd episodes ago where I did like what kind of foods you should eat on a first date and kind of like the experiences of being disabled and trying to eat food on a first date. Um, okay. So I'm wondering, Charlotte, if you were to go on a date with a guy, dinner date with a guy and you let's say you needed his help and he was okay to help you, what kind of food would you order or what kind of food do you think is most accessible to you to order? Well, oh gosh, I can't. I guess I can't really comment because I had so little practice in this sort of area. So okay. maybe you're asking the wrong girl. Okay, I'll uh, I can I can I can change the question a little bit. What kind of foods are easier for you to eat at home? Well, I can eat most foods or all food. I love food. It's one of those things, but um. It's just one it gets to the kind of last remnant of a meal and and I use freshest um forks and knives to and spoons to help me with eating. So yeah. it's just when it gets to the last couple of mouthfuls. I mean that like, could be sexy with the guy on a date. You could be like, hey, so wanna help yeah, me not, finish my yeah, I I always make the joke of like, hey, do you want to help? I always say like if I'm if I'm going on a date with the guy, I'll say like, hey, how do you feel about shoving me in my mouth? And they'll be like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I mean, like both at the date and then after the date. How do you feel about like helping me have dinner? And, oh. they, and, they, and they laugh a little bit. They they joke oh, around. Both okay. Yeah, I, like, I got right for the jugular, and I just make the joke to see what happens. But yeah, so like I could see a guy, I could see that being a sexy, like flirty thing you do with the guy. I'd be like, hey, so 
Want to help me get that last bit of food in my mouth? Yeah. Like, I don't know. You, I say have fun with it. It could be fun. Okay. Well, I'm a terrible flirter. So, yeah. I'll have to give you some tips later. Oh, yeah. For like, sure. Like, for sure. For sure. Definitely. I can definitely give you some tips. No problem. Uh... One of the other things that we want. Oh, oh, yes. Before I forget, let's let's go back to. So you talked a lot in your questionnaire about how it feels to be physically dependent on others, and I know that for me, being physically dependent on others and needing help with with everything from getting up to washing my face to scratching my nose to wiping my ass, everything that I need help with, like I deal with it and it's part of my life and I understand it, but it does definitely play a role and it has huge effects on my sense of self-agency and self-reliance how does that manifest for you um probably in exactly the same ways um in the like you know it's necessary and you might not feel as bad about it from day to day but Sometimes it absolutely just crushes your soul because you think, I can't even wipe my own ass myself. I don't even go to the toilet in quite the same way as some people. Like, that is not attractive at all. I mean, I know we all people like, when your body's like this, it's no wonder nobody wants to date you because your body is just so broken and disgusting and and just just horrible and it absolutely crushes me at certain points. I have to, I have to be honest. Yeah, sure I I totally can... listeners can really. I can relate. Just listening to that story, it's like, yep, I've been there exactly where you are. Like, I don't poo the normal way like everybody else does either. So, like, I totally get that of, like, fuck, no one else does it like this. Why can't I just, why why can't it just be normal? Yeah, this is a sexy, like, and I mean, if you have a long-term partner and, and they're looking after Wanna well, try this to do it for you and help you in terms of your personal game. It's like, why? Like, I'm so lucky, but like, how how is a person okay with this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does it does really manifest in weird fucking ways, and I find myself at two in the morning sometimes being like, no one likes me. I'm gross. This is horrible. This is gross. Like, how would anybody, no wonder I have to pay for sex. Like, how would anybody want to do this of their own free will? And so, like, though that's the, a lot of the internalized ableism that I struggle with. Um, and I struggle with a lot of disability grief of not being able to do all this stuff. What does disability grief in this respect look like for you? Well, I, too, suffer from that human story. Yay, grief buddies. Uh, Yay, disability grief so far. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and 
main videos to certainly be in paranoid and reading way too much into stuff. But I think like the grief and the paranoia and the anger and frustration you feel about not being able to excel as much in one area of your life, be it physically or mentally and emotionally due to your CV kind of permeates into um, all areas of your life basically. So I guess to put it into example, because I need to care, have carers that are coming at night, that means sometimes I can't stay as long as my other able body friends doing nighttime social activities. Yeah. And, and therefore, because there's that difference, they must think, oh, she's so strange and annoying, and like, I don't want to say that it weirds me out or that I feel differently about her because of that. But I do sort of be quiet. And then, because you feel that paranoia, your ability to want to try and make friends goes down. And then, because you don't have friends, you feel isolated. And then, because and lonely. you feel isolated, you end up as, as a result of the care system because you've got no or very limited um, circles of support. So, it's a fun cycle, guys. Yeah, and it's a cycle that we don't often talk about. So I talk like I know you follow my social media and I know you listen to the podcast. So you've probably heard me talk about it a fuck ton a lot, but we don't talk about it a lot like socially in the world. So I think it's important that you kind of lay that out for us. Like it's not just it's not just I need care and I'm feeling sorry for myself. It's a system that we have to live in that while we're thankful for the care, of course we are, but also it permeates how we feel about ourselves and then how yeah, we yeah how we present ourselves to other people, it also permeates that too. So I fully, I'm right there with you in wanting to talk about disability grief and how it plays a role in our our everyday, um, because it certainly does. Another thing that I want to talk to you about before I forget, because we've been talking about so many things today, but I want to make sure that we touch on, you have a, a, a page, right? Called Desirably Different. And I love it because it, I love, I love alliteration and I love that kind of stuff. And I also, st- I started the deliciously disabled hashtag years and years ago. So I love that stuff. Um, tell me all about your page and tell me all about Desirably Different. Well, Andrew, um, to answer your question, that was a passion project of mine that I started with a friend back in 2018. And it's just me and myself and I right now. But basically, I wanted to use my passions of um, the media, art, human discussion to explore lots of different things. I guess a lot of it stems from um, doing feminism study at um, university and seeing how um, many problems we go against as women in every area of life and how 
women of different um, backgrounds and abilities face additional problems um, and yeah, just basically um, use those caveats to like advice to and raise awareness of um, those things that I'm passionate about and explore how we can maybe um, view these problems from a slightly different, more um, positive angle or just... And I think sorry. also, I think also that it's really like the the way you've labeled it as de des desirably different is really um powerful because you're saying that you're saying like I know I'm different I know my body doesn't look the same I know our bodies don't look the same I know our bodies are not are not in that really rigid normative idea of what a body's supposed to be and you're like yeah. calling that out and saying I know I'm different but I'm still desirable I still have I'm still deserving of attention I think putting that out there and naming that and for other people is really important and I yeah. I think it's really yeah. cool that you that you're doing that and if I can help if I can use my platform to like push that forward I'd love to do that for you and, and help you make that grow because I think it's it is important oh well thank you uh, I would be most appreciative of the, of the health cancer yeah we can definitely talk about that off the air because I'd love to find a way to push that forward for you and make that something that because I know how hard it is to be like a one-man band and like do it yourself and try to push the thing while also being super disabled I get it so like so like um if I can help in any way I'd love to yeah I'd love that thank you awesome uh is there anything else about desirably different that you want to share um well it's not just um adhering to the differences between behavioured and disabled is um our appealing right across the spectrum. So we just want things like race, body image in general, um like sex and desire in general, um all that good stuff. So yeah, it's not primarily specific to disability. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great, too, because it also allows for different kinds of conversations to come out and to be talked about. But also it, it does it from a from a from a disabled lens, I think, because you're the you're the creator and you're a disabled person. So it automatically does it from an inherently disabled space. And I think that's really cool. I think that's very, that's important. Thanks, dude. Um, and I, I just think that more stuff like that and like if. You know, I run a, I run a, I run a podcast network. You've heard the beginning of my show. I run Wheels on the Ground Productions. So if ever you wanted to make a show that was just about that, let me know. I can, I can help you. Yeah, well, we'll see. Thank you for the offer. We can certainly talk about it. Um, one of the things, and this is a big question for today. One of the things that you mentioned in your questionnaire that I had to talk to you about, and that I'm excited to talk to you about, Charlotte, is you said. Uh, you're having a moral struggle with whether or not to use a cuddle partner. And now I know that some of my previous guests and some people listening are also going through that struggle. So I wonder for you, Charlotte, why are you having a struggle with, with deciding to do that? Well, um, 
actually since um, I spoke to you initially, I've um, solved that model for myself. Um, but let me just go back. I guess, well, the, let's go right back and explain why I wanted to, why I was kind of taking with the idea in the first place. Um, basically, because, like, I feel that as a disabled person, I've not got enough kinds of affection um, as a person, and that has added to my feelings of poor self-esteem and depression at times. So I felt a good list was a good way to go about that. But also, does that stigma around having to pay someone to help you? Of course. I understand why folks might find that weird and just um, something to be fitted and just completely strange. But yeah, um, like we said earlier, when you're disabled, your body and self isn't generally looked at as disabled and attractive anyway. So that's why a lot of us feel we have to resort to these routes. Um, sort of as an aspect, but also I'm a Christian, so I had that extra um, layer of that, that because of the morality um, of it. Yeah, when it comes to seeking this stuff out, like, is it morally right for me to like be this is something that's already wrong. Um, be intimate with someone in that way that I don't know that well or have a really close um personal connection to. Yeah. So there was that struggle. But then I thought, well, like I know that I want this, I know that I deserve this as a human being I'm not gonna stop wanting it and like God wants me to be happy and, and love love my body and yeah ways I can find so long as it's not illegal and it's consensual and safe and caring. So that's why I um decided to go ahead with using and oh yeah i'm so happy to hear that yeah that makes me really happy good i'm really glad to hear that thanks and i had my first session recently oh my goodness tell me everything tell me all the things how was it well we could be here all day um but i would say it was mostly good it was with a woman i didn't feel comfortable um doing it with a guy and to be honest, a woman was the closest person I could find. Um, but yeah, it was mostly good. It was um, really um, gratifying and calming and just nice to love and chill out. Um, but um, I did feel 
embarrassed because of the way my disability is and I like coupled with the fact that it was session one and we were still kind of figuring each other out that it wasn't as smooth as I kind of hoped for it to be in terms of going from one um, position or idea to the next and the next and then it all just be nice and smooth and free flowing and proper relaxing. Um, yeah, so and then I thought and like because I, well, I had to apologise for that the entire time and then it was completely because of my weird, strange, crappy body and body. Oh. <laughs> I don't think it's crappy. I don't think your body is crappy at all. It's okay. But I totally get where your where your head was. And I think we sometimes forget as disabled people, like even when we think of the fantasies of like great sex we're gonna have or a good cuddle session, we forget that like, oh maybe a sling's gonna be involved. Like maybe it won't be a quick and easy one, two, three, because in our head, we're so used to being disabled, or sometimes we don't want to be disabled in our head, so we don't imagine those parts. And we forget the reality of like what this will look like. Yeah. And although this wasn't sexual in nature, like this was largely the first time I've been able to explore me in those kinds of scenarios in any form. So like it's that paranoia of, well, if I'm this awkward and this bad and, um, like... I'm just cuddling, how am I going to ever fuck a dude? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't put it like that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, how would you put it? How am I going to, like... How would I put it? Let's just say your um, description was rather blunt to the point but maybe it's an Andrew thing maybe it's a Canadian thing I don't know it's probably but, an Andrew, yeah. it's, a, it's an Andrew thing it's an Andrew thing for sure uh Canadians are much more polite than that um but no I I agree with you in terms of in terms of the feeling the shame and feeling the embarrassment like and I've been seeing sex workers for over five years now um and I still have shame embarrassment fear of my body not doing what I want and even if I've seen the person like I have a sex worker that I see pretty consistently I mean and more so pre-pandemic I saw him more regularly now it's probably about once a month but um I still get afraid I still get uncomfortable I still I'm like oh fuck my body's gonna do this fucking thing today and I don't want it to do it so like yeah. I, I get the the inherent shame of your body not doing what you want when you want, or you not being able to do this, the this the cuddly things that you want to do. And it's not just about our pleasure and enjoyment; it's about the pleasure and enjoyment of your partner as well. Yeah. And even if you can't do the things that they might like, and they say, "Oh, it's fine," you. You would wonder at the end for I certainly would. Are they just doing it or saying that 
just a safe face and like not to hurt your feelings. Or do oh, they yeah. actually feel that? I constantly, I constantly worry about this. I have this thought, oh, even after all my like, even after a really hot sex worker session, even after like a really fun time, I will they'll leave and I'll be like, hmm, did they really enjoy themselves? Like then I'll have all that, all that secondhand self doubt will come back and be like, oh, oh, I don't know if they really liked it. Did they enjoy themselves or were they just did doing they, it because they, I? Do they ever tell you? They, I mean, the one that I see, the one that I see pretty regularly says, I like you, like, stop getting in your head. If I didn't like you, I wouldn't be over here. And like, I know he, I know he means it, but just like you, I can't stop the nightmares and I can't stop the fear because we're so conditioned to believe that we're not attractive, that unlearning those, unlearning that societally and for ourselves, is it's really hard. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's like, it's. It's extremely hard. So I really resonated today when you said, like, you know, you have nightmares about, about, I know, I just lost my train of thought, but you have nightmares about, about, oh, why can't I remember what you said? And we just spoke about it like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. Just generally, generally not being good enough. Yeah. Just staying because. He doesn't want to hurt my feelings, and he can see how much I love him, but he doesn't feel the same. Or not being able to support him, like, other than emotionally. Yeah. And when he needs it in difficult times, yeah, being emotionally supportive is great, and I'm sure it does help, but sometimes... It's not always enough. So. Yeah, and that fear keeps me up at 2 a.m. And that fear keeps me, like, I think about that all the time. And if you follow, I know, and I know you follow my Instagram, I talk about this pretty openly because I, I do think about this all the time. And I, it's really nice to sit down with somebody who has the same feelings and has the same thoughts and we can like, just, like, commiserate about that together. It, it has, it's been a really, I've been really thankful that we got to do this. Well, you're welcome, I guess. It certainly means a lot. It certainly means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to the people listening. I have, I've run out of all the questions I was going to ask you. Um, we've basically we've we've done it. Uh, is there anything Aww. else that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet today? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it. But yeah, I had a really good, interesting, fun conversation. I hope your viewers the same too much no I love it when people ramble and babble it's good don't worry and I love going off on tangents and it was I had a lot of fun with you don't even worry it was great oh thank you yeah and just generally your um in love podcast game your um podcast is very much needed for the disability and um non-disabled world in general and uh, you do a lot of interesting disabled cool worthwhile work so basically uh slap value you rock yay all the positive superlatives ever in the world oh well thank you and and same to you and i really feel like 
like like I said, I was quite serious about saying I want to help you with Desirably Different. And I want if you have any other like creative ideas that you need someone to help move forward for you, like I think that there's potential there. And I'm always I'm always like quietly nudging guests to be like, hey, want to start a podcast of your own? Like I can help with that because I it's clear that you, Charlotte, have a lot to say. Um so me. Well, that's that's a good thing though. Maybe somewhere down the line, maybe someone down the line of podcast. Oh, sorry, someone... sorry, my room just came in. Oh, that's all right. I'm just singing a like Christmas song. I'm singing a Christmas song. It's nearly Christmas. Amazing. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, Christmas. I can see it. I can see it. No, it's <laughs> Just got out of the thousands of people. I, I'm so here for this. Oh, yeah. I'm so, so here. And I can also see, I can see your mom through the window a little bit. So it's, that's sort of adorable. Hi. Sorry. <laughs> I'll leave you to it. That's amazing. And I'm not editing that out. That was too good. I have to keep it in. You're the phone, ladies and gentlemen. She's here all year. Amazing. I just think that was that was my favorite ending of a show ever. Uh, and I think I might have to play that. I haven't produced the Christmas episode yet, so I might have to put that on. That's the perfect episode for Christmas. It might have to happen. Uh, so, Charlotte, um, how can the people get a hold of you? How can they follow your work? How can they support you? Well, we have several ways of doing that. You can reach me on my desirable different Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, which is just Charlotte Farragher, that's F-A-R-A-G-H-E-R. I'm one of the only ones I'm crazy to run. I also have Instagram and Twitter, although I barely use Twitter, I'm pretty, pretty non-existent on that, but yeah. Well, that's okay. Twitter is a trash fire app where people just yell at each other. So it's it's really, it's okay that you're not on there. I have to say I'm very good to be I'm very glad that I'm sporadic on there. Yeah, but very sporadic. Yeah, but all the good social media outlets are just a box standard email. You can reach me on cvarosky.com every yeah, I miss good emails. Just get um, random um, ones from different outlets. Never a good like, hi, how are you? With substandard information and questions. So, so send Charlotte some send Charlotte some emails about how great this interview was. Because I'm gonna air this interview over Christmas now. We're recording this the beginning of December, and usually it takes me some months to produce this. But because your mom's saying the Christmas song, I have to. I have to. Do it at Christmas. Hey, hey. I'm, I'm okay with that. Let's, let's go. Yeah, that's it's a perfect Christmas. And Christmas is on, as you're listening to this, because I said I released it on Christmas, it's Saturday, December 25th right now. So, Merry fucking Yay. Christmas. Yay. So, yeah. but, I mean, we're recording this before, obviously, but it's We're recording this like two weeks before, but it's cool. It's cool. Um, Charlotte, this was so much fun. Thank you. Oh, for... I'm excited to. 
thanks so much for sitting down with me today and for us with us today. Um, and you and I will talk very soon, okay? Yes. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks Bye. so much. Bye. Bye, internet. Bye. Bye. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark from me, your disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow my work, you can follow me on social media on Instagram and Twitter at andrewgerza underscore, or you can follow my website www.andrewgerza.com to find out more about what I do. And of course, you can follow us on Patreon to get the show one day early and completely ad-free by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark, or you can send us an email to disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and let us know your ideas for an episode, for a minisode, or for a guest spot. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back to shine a bright light on your disabled stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021